Awesome. Welcome to the pod, man. We've been talking about this for uh, a good while. Long time. Um, long time in the making with COVID and everything that kind of happened. Got delayed and pushed back. But thanks for coming on. Uh, we got Zach from Walt's Vineyard here. We're going to talk a little bit about wine. Um, you know, the fact that you guys are one of the best wines in Pennsylvania and on the East Coast, right here in Lancaster. Uh, it's a it's a real treat to have you it's on. And kinda, huh? Yeah, it's convenient. <laughs> you know, it's great. Uh, so I'm excited. Um, you know, I've had your wines before. We kind of want to let the listeners in on a little bit about uh, how you guys got started, some ancestry. Because, um, I mean, you're a sixth generation, you know, farm Farmer, landowner. Absolutely. You know, now you're a second generation wine. Um, so clue us in just a little bit about Walt's Vineyard, how it got started, you know, the, the history and heritage. Definitely, it. definitely. Yeah. So I am second generation winemaker, but sixth generation on my family farm. So really, we have a lot of history here in the Lancaster County area. And that's kind of what really drives me in my entrepreneurial spirit is that heritage and that motivates me to continue that legacy, you know. And, and so it's really about heritage and then the legacy I'm leaving behind, just as all my ancestors did. So, um, you know, I like to start way back with ancestry. I did a lot of research when I was younger. And starting back when I was like 13 years old, I got really into genealogy and like, who, who am I? Who, where did I come from? Nice. And what did what sacrifices did people make before me to get me to where I am? I think that's super important. Gives you a greater appreciation also for what's to come. Huge, yeah. huge appreciation. Yeah, yeah. And like the, almost like a responsibility to carry on what those have done before. You've got you know? pride. You've got yeah. pride in your land, your place. You know, put absolutely. that extra weight on his shoulder yeah, beforehand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Talk about <laughs> talk about driving. You do something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely, and um, so. I went to Lancaster Mennonite Historical Society. If you're familiar with it, if mm-hmm. you're not and you have history here, definitely check it out. Because okay. That's where I went to high school. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's right next to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they have a ton of records of family history in Lancaster County area. So I went there and I'm, I'm looking around and I went to the W section looking for Waltz and I found this book. It just stood out. It was this thick and it said Waltz on it. I'm like, what? So I pulled this out and I'm looking through it and it's got my whole family in there. My picture is in this book and I'm like, hold on. Wow. Like, are you supposed to ask permission like to get a picture? Yeah, right. Book? <laughs> That's interesting. No, yeah. It's just wild. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to read this entire book front to back and see what it's all about. It's um, amazing. So it got me back maybe like three generations or four generations. It wasn't super far. Maybe like everything I've heard from my grandparents. But it gave a little more more history. It had like newspaper articles and all this cool stuff. So that got me like really into it. And then That's I went awesome. on. Yeah. It was super and that cool. gives a lot of people encouragement to want to go out and do stuff like that. So yeah. I had no idea. And probably right. a lot of listeners also had no idea that you're able to do something like yeah. that. Yeah, there's a lot of paper records that are not online. Yeah. You would have right. no idea oh, yeah, yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so definitely I'd recommend if you're, you know, matter where the listener is like find a place in your local area that has those those records yes and, like look into it check for sure it's good yeah. well that's good cool that you get the knowledge. like uh you get the clippings from the newspapers and the articles yeah. and all that other stuff that like back then was kind of a rarity it's you know huge. that's yeah. so cool it's to be able to have that place and i'm sure that probably makes you like um like you don't want to ruin it yeah you know now yeah. that you saw like oh yeah all that progression yeah. you're like all right well yeah the pressure's <laughs> on yeah. That's the, the pressure's on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. it does but like yeah i love it it's so motivating that's amazing and um yeah so from there then i went on you know took those names went on to like ancestry.com and then got a whole ton of more information and it turns out i finally traced back my ancestry to like immigrating here from germany okay. and um so it used to be vaults was the last name and um, one day I'm like sitting on an ancestry notification pops up and somebody had just uploaded a new article about, um, or it was like records, church records from Germany of people that were with the names that I had recorded wow. in my family. So I knew exact town now, like where they came from Interesting. and it was from Alsace and I'm sitting there, I'm like, Alsace, like, dude, that's a wine region. Like, yeah. Holy shit! My ancestors might have been winemakers. Like wow, wow. <laughs> when you got here, you guys were tobacco. Yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know for sure. You know what like, they say? They say history yeah. repeats itself. Who knows? Yeah. If they, it was like it came Dude, full circle and yeah. it, it had to be. I feel like it's in my blood. That's yeah. Awesome. Oh, it's in your blood. It's in your yeah. blood for sure. Because so. I've, I've personally, I've been up to the, uh, I've been up to the, uh, to, to to the vineyard, and it's absolutely beautiful. And you guys definitely know what you're doing. Uh, me being in the food and beverage industry, just to kind of like, you know, touch on that a little bit. I'm a huge fan of Waltz. Waltz is like, to me, they're very, they're very proud in what they do. They put their all into it. 
Um, I've been a food and beverage director for many, many years at a couple different places. I won't mention them right now, but um, I've always, you know, carried some of your product, mm-hmm. you know, like from the old line Chardonnay to the Rosé, which I'm, I'm sure we're probably going to try some of those today. Um, and I, it's always been amazing feedback and, and seeing the operations, you know, firsthand and seeing how much goes into it and how much pride you guys take. I mean, the product definitely speaks for itself. Yeah, your facility is fantastic. It's beautiful. Thanks. Yeah, you we, know, I highly suggest people listening, if you like wine and you're in the area, like go check your guys' yeah. tasting room out. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's probably going to, it's some unexpected things I'd say. The equipment is like state of the art. It's what we really believe in. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I was highly impressed. Invest and you guys got it all from, from over in Italy. Yeah. Mo- yeah. All the, like all of our stainless steel winemaking equipment from Italy. Yeah. All the barrels are from France. Yeah. We just believe like, Hey, they do French it. French oak barrels. You know, why mm-hmm. not go with the best? So. And if yeah. I, if I remember uh, correctly, it was like, takes about two years for each of those barrels to be made. Uh, yeah. So it takes a really long time. The barrel aging or the barrel making process is so complex. Yeah. And we were even talking about how mm-hmm. unique that is. So wild. And just, every, just the barrels, every piece that goes into the winemaking and like all the different companies and family histories that goes into that. It's just incredible in itself. But yeah. do you guys uh, do tours as well? We do. And like, okay. yeah, when you go do a tasting, you can request a tour and we'll give it around. Yeah. I mean, it blew my mind when yeah. we walked in there. And You're I'm lucky. You got the, the tour from me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that blew my mind, you yeah. know, just walking through and seeing all the different barrels and then seeing your bottling machine and you know, the, um, what's the one outside that skins them? Oh yeah, the, oh, yeah. Uh, like the the press you're talking yeah. about, like, long press. Yeah, that volume. I was like, yeah. oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I remember that. The, I forgot about the way that, that all comes about. Yeah, it's. Um, I love showing people around because they really are like, whoa! Dude, I had no idea this was here. You know, yeah. on a well, be- other- on a beautiful sunny day, like in fall. I mean, it doesn't matter like when it is, as long as like the skies are clear. The land is just oh, yeah. absolutely gorgeous. It is one like of the, the landscape is elevations in all of the county. Yeah, that's was, what I remember yeah. uh, um, your, your father saying, and it's, it's absolutely beautiful. It's I mean, the way it's set up, it's you know the, the rolling hills yeah. and just every, everything about so it. So we're really fortunate because we didn't know that when we bought it that it would be prime grape growing. Land. Yeah. And I mean, absolutely, probably the best in the whole county for wow. the, the elevation, soil, and everything. Um, so I'll kind of backtrack, but get back to that here in a second. So, okay. So going back to the ancestry. So my ancestors came to Lancaster County, um, in 1790 was the first one. And then, um, you know, two generations later, we bought the farm that we're on now. And so for a hundred year time span, tobacco farming. That's all we did. You know, right. some other crops, but mainly just tobacco. That's right. And, and that used uh, to be just a huge industry here, though, huge, too. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it still is. Yeah. Amish. Yeah. Mostly it's all Amish now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most people probably would have no idea even how to do it now. Mm-hmm. But uh, Where to begin? <laughs> so, yeah. That paid off our farm. You know, that was what our ancestors did, and it, and it worked for a long time. Then it got to my dad, and it started, the market started tanking, and the demand was going down and the prices were dropping and he was like i'm working my ass off and some years i don't even get a dime for wow. like a break so he was still pretty involved in the tobacco yeah, part of the business yeah as well. my dad i mean he went to college and he was kind of getting into animal science and and that kind of thing but gotcha. he was like hey if we want this farm to keep paying for itself like this is not going to do it yeah and um so yeah, i'm just trying to put myself in his perspective like if this is all you got is this hundred acre chunk of land Right. And you're like, what can I possibly do to increase the profitability of this place? Corn doesn't work. Soybeans don't work. Right. Animals aren't cutting it. Right. Like, what's my next step? You got to go niche. You got to go specialty crop, something that's like really rare wow. and desirable. And so he took a trip to California with my mom and he kept seeing, he's like, looking at the soils. He's like, oh, it looks like our soil, you know? And he's like looking at the farmers out there and they're living a pretty good lifestyle, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they're chilling. Yeah. And he's like, this is what I want. And so he came back threw some grapes in the ground and then immediately like got all this interest. But people were like, now nah, rip those out. Those are terrible grapes. Like plant some caps of plant some grapes that are going to be high market value. Wow. And so in 97, he planted caps of right, right there by the house. It's still there right next to the winery. And uh, those vines are producing some of our best fruit 23 years later. Wow. It's oh amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Caps yeah. 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 That's amazing. Incredible. Um, yes, yeah, so I brought a bottle of that. Too. Is there a difference, yeah. like, would you say with different, like, varietals, like, different types of grapes that, that grow better in the soil that you have? Would you say that the, the cab is, is, like, your go-to for... Yeah, I mean, in terms of reds, most places can't ripen a cap sub here on the East Coast. Gotcha. It's very difficult to get it to that 
true rightness. Interesting. I think our site is just so unique. We're able to just get it there. Wow. Yeah. Is that the elevation that you were speaking on? Yeah. We're over, 600, we're over 600 feet elevation. Right. There. Well, cause uh, in Texas, it's like, uh, the hill country mm-hmm. out towards Austin mm-hmm. has incredible wineries out there, but that's the only place that you can really grow. Them. Right. You can't right. do it in Houston. It's too yeah. flat. It's too low, too humid. Right. Whereas yeah. like that elevation allows a little bit of the climate to, to level out. Yeah. Texas is booming right now with the wine industry. I don't know what it is, but really? I heard a guy going, the guy that planted my vineyard this year went down there. He's like, I'm planting a thousand acres in Texas. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What is going on? Well, but, Texas uh, in general is just absolutely everywhere. Everybody's going to yeah, Texas yeah, right yeah, now. Moving there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now that we're talking about the cab, we might as yeah, well uh, let's, uh, try uh, pour up a glass. Yeah. So this is our 2014 vintage. Okay. Um, so this has got some age to it. Just about the perfect time to drink it right now. Six years old. Wow. Oh, the other thing that I want to ask is for beginner wine drinkers. You know, when they see people doing this, what are you looking for? Oh, you're looking for you know color, I mean? mainly color when you're doing this. Okay. I tend to like hold it over a table so I can really see the color of the rim of the wine. Okay. And so that is a way a Psalm will be able to tell you the age of that wine. That's the best indicator for them is looking at the color of the rim because every year a red wine gets a different shade of red on that rim. It'll go from a dark ruby purple to a red to a brick red to an orange over time. So you can get a, the best guess is going to be looking at that color on that almost opaque edge there. Okay. Does that tell you alcohol content too? Alcohol contents almost always for Psalms will be like drinking it and then breathing in right away and feeling where the burn goes down to. Yeah. Yeah. So you can almost tell, mm-hmm. like they, they look, they're so, some people are so experienced will like tell you like, this is 15% alcohol. When it burns down to here, it's 16%, you know, 13. Yeah. True. Yeah. song will tell you that. No way. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's all so see, much. Like, yeah. Now I'm trying to figure out where my, where mine was. Yeah. Okay. And the legs coming down off of the yeah, glass as well. There's debate on whether that really tells you alcohol because there's other things that can affect the the legs of the wine, okay. but right. sometimes it can be a pretty good indicator. Right. What do legs typically tell you though? It could be glycerol content, which is a byproduct of yeast. Um, yeah, it could be. A yeah, one thing things. to put out there too for listeners: you went to school for wine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went to uh, Cornell for four years uh, for a bachelor's degree in winemaking and grape growing. Yeah, we were kind of laughing about this. <laughs> How do you get into a program at 18 for wine? You can't, yeah. drink, you can't oh, legally drink for three yes. years. Like, <laughs> I'm glad you're talking about this, dude. It's literally in my college letter that I wrote. I was like, at the very end of it, after describing all the stuff about wine, I was like, can't wait till I'm legally able to actually try it. Right. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, but um, I hope I hope I like my yeah. passion. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Wow. Yeah. No, it's it's funny and like it's surprisingly not that many of the people I that were in my major grew up with it. Like it would be a okay. lot of people that were like chemists or uh, engineers or something, and they just like are horticulture folks that like wanted to specialize. Like they knew they liked the general practice, but they want to specialize. So like. Chemists are great with this stuff, obviously. Right. And horticulture people are great with working grapes. Um, but yeah, there's pretty there's a few people that came from the background that I had, um, and I'm really fortunate that I did because I I already had that huge basis of knowledge and went in and really was able to fine tune those details on the winemaking That's side. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah. So it takes the you, business to the yeah, next level. When you man, came really out of, when you came out of school with that degree. What was one of the first couple changes that you wanted to make? Mm, you know. Yeah. Add Waltz. Biggest thing for me was the chemistry side, the lab, the analysis, um, fine-tuned details. Because my dad didn't really have the chemical knowledge. He had really strong knowledge in farming and grape growing. And he had really good mentorship in the winemaking. But when it came to those fine details, to just even tweak the quality a little bit more, that's where my chemistry background came in from school. So I, I built a whole whole new lab for us in the winery there, wow. a full lab scale with an office and everything. And uh, yeah, so we've just been really improving on that side to kind of just like, I mean, it's also about consistency, making sure your product is consistent through the future. That's the most, that's the most important mm-hmm. thing, especially in yeah. the food and beverage industry, Yeah, honestly, because people depend on a certain product. And I think that's what, you know, me, me handling a few of the restaurants that I've handled in the past and, and always going, you know, to their product is because of the consistency of the product itself. It was always good. There was always positive feedback. The product was always outstanding. And people always came back for it and asked mm-hmm. for it. So, 
that's that's I feel is just a huge part of the business. It's huge, as well. yeah. yeah, yeah. So I really wanted to have some some data points to go off of every year. Be like, this is our standard. This is what people expect. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's to the average wine drinker. I don't think they even know that side of like yeah. the business of making oh, no. wine. Oh my god. Um, so much. You know, because consistency is key. Um, all right. So walk us through this glass. You know, like uh, to a listener, if you're to describe the wine. Sure. Um, from, you know, if you're being your own little song. Yeah. And smell it. So typical East Coast cab, I would say, would have a bit of a green character to it. This one does not. And that's what I described to you. Again, we just get enough ripening to kind of mitigate that herbaceousness. And okay. so this is going to bring out some really good um, red fruit notes. We're not quite getting the like super dark fruit that you're going to get in California. This is a little bit lighter cab. Um, and all that. Yeah, not quite to that, but we got a lot of cherry in here. Mm -hmm. Ton of cherry. You'll probably get some notes of like tobacco in this. Um, you're definitely going to. Is that just from the years of soil? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to get that out. Dude, be... <laughs> That's not even yeah, terroir, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll definitely get a hint of vanilla from that French oak. They're not overpowering. It doesn't scream. No, it's vanilla, very, it's but very it's subtle. Like, yeah, but it no, gives it, it that. So it good. gives it that complexity and kind of balances yeah. it out. What I like is that it's not. Um, like I prefer a dry red wine. Um, mostly, I don't like super sweet. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think this is just absolutely phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah, this. Um, this also shows like it's important to age our wines too. That's one thing that like like our wines are should be drank at five to ten to even fifteen years old to really appreciate what they are and right. their ageability. Um, so we're at six years with this, so it's just getting into its prime right now. Right, and that's one sure. one way we've really just tried to stand out from the rest of the winery wineries. It's just like. We want to make things that last a long time. People yeah. in our wine club are cellaring these wines, and they know that. And we're not even releasing them until they're three years old. Right. So just a totally different, like, business strategy, you know. Yeah, it's amazing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, then that's, that's like, uh, such an investment of time. Oh, my God. Because yeah. you're sitting, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, we did all this work this year. Three years from now, the work that we put in is yeah. what we're going to make. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you hope people come back five years right. later and like, yeah, it was good stuff. Right. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. That's amazing. No, like I said, the product speaks for itself. And this is, this is absolutely delightful. Yeah, and talk about time. I mean, in general, time is going to make these things better. Like we went from a, starting with like 18 months aging in barrel to 20 to now 24 months aging in barrel because it just kept getting better and better. And we're like, let's let it go. Yeah. What does that do? So the average listener doesn't understand, like, totally. when you're aging wine, is that for the the oak that, mm -hmm. like, it's in the barrel? Or is that just for the right. the chemicals in there to dissolve or settle? or Yeah. So barrels serve two, two purposes. <laughs> um, the one purpose is that vanilla character you're getting. That comes from the charring in the wood. It comes from okay. the actual flavor compounds going right. into the wine. It's the same with whiskey as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Whiskey is the same one. Mm -hmm. You get that sugar content as well. Yep, yep. Um, and then the other portion of it is um, for oxidation. So micro-oxygenation, meaning a little bit of air can make its way through the barrel over time. So typically you think oxygen is not a good thing for wine. Like it can go bad pretty quickly if you open the bottle up. Um, but if you get a little bit over time, it helps with the aging of wine. So um, oxygen will help mellow out the tannins and make a smoother finish on that wine. Um so, yeah, we can get pretty aggressive tannins in these big reds um, from from the seeds and the skins. And mm -hmm. that can be really a strange. It's like, it's like that drying character. It brings it to the front of your yeah, mouth. Right, it okay. really just like kind of tingles you up in here and then yeah. just comes to the front of your mouth. So the idea of barrel aging is you want to make that silky finish. You don't mm -hmm. want that to be like grippy. Too tight. Uh, too tart. Yeah. yeah, yeah know, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So pretty much the longer you let it in barrel the more silky that's going to get nice. if it's a good clean wine right yeah. you know if you if it's not that oxygen is just going to make bacteria going crazy and it's going to go the other way so right. you got to really make sure you have a clean product to let it age that long so much science yeah. behind it yeah <laughs> well that's 
chemistry right there. Right. Yeah. So that would make yeah. sense why you have more chemist enthusiasts getting into the wine business. Yeah, and the amazing thing is, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a food product. Like you're allowing a food product to sit forever and it's still edible. And still it's, be able to consume yeah, it. Yeah, consume That's it. That's tricky. Yeah. That's really um, tricky. The fortunate thing is alcohol is on your side. I mean, nothing can grow in alcohol. Right. That's right. why I love it. Like there's no, there's almost no like national health issues with wine because it's just it kills everything. Yeah, yeah. So, absolutely. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much the main reasons we use barrels. Um, and we were, we pretty much settled at, at 24 months with this one. How many barrels do you guys keep at your, how many barrels do you do a year? We have on hand, we have about 300 barrels. Depends on how much fruit we're getting each year. 20, we should probably talk about this. 2018, we got destroyed by what the harsh weather. Right. Wow. So we had like a, a quarter of the amount of fruit that we normally would. So a lot of our barrels are sitting empty right now because yeah. of that. And for uh, people that haven't been there, a quarter of of the amount of fruit on the, on that land is yeah, yeah. a substantial a amount. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So we lost seventy-five percent. Oh yeah. yeah wow. Tons. Like, so our average yield before that was hundred tons. So we lost seventy-five tons of grapes. Oh, yeah. My it's gosh. just insane. Um, yeah. So twenty eighteen, you got inventive. Yeah. Which that, is like <laughs> that forces a lot, a lot of your brain to start working. Be like, okay what are we going to do from here? Grapes are a long process. You plant them. It takes three years to even get your first crop. And that's not even your best crop. It takes a couple more years to get the good stuff. Wow. So, okay, we're sitting here on eight acres of grapes that we know after the polar vortex in 2018, we know they're dead. We're like, Oh wow. Okay. Not only that, the vines that didn't die, almost all the fruit was ruined on those vines. It just didn't produce the fruit because the vines main focus then was just survival. It wasn't focusing on reproducing. It's just survival. Wow. So that's why we had such a terrible year. And um, so those effects are, they last many, many years. Wow. And, right. um, so we knew that going into it and we're like, okay, we're going to be suffering a long time. Let's start now creating other product lines to keep that income coming and, and you know, just develop some new, new product lines. So one of them um, was the apple wine. And that was um, my decision. It was my last year in college. And this is when this is all happening. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to utilize all the resources I have here. I got professors. I got tons of online resources, books. Let's figure it out. Nice. And um, so I was like, okay, the grapes are not a resource for us right now. If, if we lost this much, everybody else on the East Coast is struggling too. <laughs> and they're not going to have any grapes for sale. Right. So we're like, that's out. So I'm like, what's next? And I decided on apples. I was like, wow. there's, I know there's a big supply. I know they weren't hit nearly as bad as the grapes were. Mm-hmm. And uh, who knew that I could have such a great supply of apples from so lo- such a local county, Berks County and Adams County are just loaded with apples. Yeah, you said you bought two tons. 20 tons. 20 tons. 20 tons. <laughs> <laughs> I was off by a lot there. <laughs> I thought two tons was a lot. Yeah, you said two tons. I was like, <laughs> I was like oh man, 20. 20. Okay. Yeah, we made 14,000 bottles of apple wine. So yeah, wow, it's a ton, a ton. Well, and what I love about that is that you didn't go the cider route because everybody's got a cider. Yeah. Like hard ciders mm-hmm. are everywhere, and it's like the fact I've never seen an apple wine before. Though. Right? Yeah. Well, well, I don't think seltzers I've ever seen is it. a big thing now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Yeah, that should be my next move. Apple yeah, apple seltzer. seltzer there yeah. you go. Well, it's right. apple seltzer, especially wow. with like the whole like. You know, not not to jump into the COVID thing right away or anything like that, but like you know the to go cocktails and mm-hmm. to go yeah, like yeah. product. Dude, you're just, reading my mind, oh, man. Yeah. I've been talking about this so much. I know. I'm, I'm, Have I'm, you seen the canned wine? Canned wine, but I canned? think what you're saying is like canned cocktails. Canned cocktails, like, so it'd like, be like gotcha. like gin and tonic in a can. They have those. Um, wow. who does it? There's can? A, yeah, they do can. Yeah, there's like, a, there's uh, companies that do them, but just kind of like in in you know in that realm, like you know sourced locally yeah. you know have yeah. some sort of wine spritzer with, oh, that'd be you know, awesome yeah i've definitely thought about canned wine it's yeah. a tough market to get into you have yeah. to be yeah. low it's got to be low priced wines super it's low price yep uh-huh. big time so yeah. i don't think i'm gonna go quite that route but right right yeah no it's interesting so yeah so i did six months of research at cornell came up with this really detailed protocol because they have a great um, apple program is their insider program. So they have a lot of people that are very knowledgeable at the chemistry of apples. That was one thing I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. they're totally, yeah, so, yeah, you lucky. so for, fortunate. You were set up, yeah, you were set up to there. succeed. Yeah, for, for sure. <laughs> Super fortunate. Um, 
But the, the thing is, like, the chemistry in apples is completely different from grapes. They have different acids in them, you know, different phenolic compounds. So I had to completely start from scratch and learn everything about them before I wow. did it. So I'm like, if I'm going to make an investment in 20 tons of apple, I better know what I'm doing. Oh, really? yeah. So I had a really detailed plan by the end of six months. And I was like, Dad, let's do this. Like, I know we can do it. Yeah. And he had a broker for the apples. And it's literally the apples that you get in a grocery store are the ones we used. It wasn't specific <laughs> cider apples or any yeah. of that. It was wow. just like Gala, Gold Delicious. Like you had, a, you had a bunch of different types. Yep, Granny Smiths, all those. Yep. Wow. And it actually says all in the back of the bottle, all the varieties that I used. But yeah, yeah so we, we went to town and we, we had to buy this grinder from Germany that would like grind up the apples without grinding up the seeds because the seeds are where it gets really bitter. Um, so this machine is like really cool looking and, uh, <laughs> this yeah. is all information that you have to really just find out and do your research yeah. on because yeah. you can really yeah. just ruin the product. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, any little step, if you yeah. don't do it right. It's so the machine will like filter out the seeds yeah, or they has, just won't crush them. So it doesn't have a blade. It has like a masher. So it'll just like mash the apples without actually cutting it. So it won't like cut seeds open. Huh. Yeah, and there's a gap this big, so like it can little gaps on the inside. They kind of like yeah, yeah, it can mash the apple up to like this close, so it will never crush a seed. Huh. The seed just can't get crushed. So I don't, yeah, so it'll, it'll make like apple Look at the technology sauce. behind yeah. that. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, German, somebody in Germany. Somebody in Germany. <laughs> <That's why. laughs> Very smart <laughs> German. Yeah. yeah, we tend to that find is... a lot of really smart Europeans in this right. industry. Yeah. Oh no, 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 so. for sure. Probably the guy that yeah. started Mercedes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> One of yeah German engineer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a, a catchphrase exactly yeah. that's unbelievable that is unbelievable um but the crazy part about it is i had no idea what it was going to turn out like to mm -hmm. be honest i was like i can do the best i can but i have no idea what this finished product is going to be yeah when jeff uh, started talking to me about it I, I wasn't i wasn't sure the direction of what you guys were trying to do like he was explaining it to me like in full detail mm -hmm. and i just thought maybe you guys were branching off into into like a whole nother field but I, you know, understanding it now, the way that, that I'm hearing it from you and being that you were on the front lines of it all, mm -hmm. it really makes a lot of sense to me. And, um, I thought it was just kind of like jumping on like the whole like cider, yeah, yeah. you know, fat right. and whatnot, but like seeing, you know, what it is and hearing the story behind it and what really went into it yeah. and why gives me a, so much. I mean, I had, a, I, I've always had yeah. an appreciation for walls, but like a much greater appreciation for what it is exactly in the story behind it. You yeah, know, it, it's, it's pretty that, wild yeah. to it be able your, to turn it, it into that. Your industry's COVID. Yeah. Essentially, you know, like yeah, so many people right now are like, oh my yeah. gosh, I just lost 75%. What yeah. am I going to do? Mm -hmm. All right. Hey, <laughs> spend six months, develop a plan. Right. Find your way and niche to get out yep. of this. Yeah. I mean, the, the circumstances are what they are. You got to adapt, you know, yeah. and that's what I loved about it. When you told me that story, I was like, we were heading right into the lockdowns. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Use this time Perfect. wisely. Like it yeah. could totally change your business for the better. Uh, exactly. Really turning, turning a negative into yeah, a positive. Yeah, because you guys have won thing. awards off of that now, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, and we had... Uh, it's your best seller. <laughs> it was for three months. It was our best seller. In the fall, yeah. every fall now, it's like people want Apple products, yeah. anything mm -hmm. Apple. So yeah, who knew? First three months. And what I love about it is it's not... Uh, it's it's sweet up front, but it has more of a dry finish to yes, it. Yes, it does. So it doesn't it does. like it doesn't feel heavy. Like sometimes when I drink like uh, like a super sweet white, you know, after a while, like I just get tired of it. Yeah, that's around the time that I did try it too, because um, where I was working at the time, we did an event, and it was going to be like an outside, like welcoming fall and winter, you know, into into the new year and then the new mm -hmm. season or whatnot. And I think that was one of the featured wines that I brought in. Yeah, you know, like I ended mm -hmm. up getting a few cases of that, and like it went so That's well. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, and and people on the campus were asking me about it all the time. A lot of people they, describe it as like a, they think it's a Chardonnay. They're like, it doesn't taste like apples, right? You know, and that's awesome right. to me. Is like because it has the characteristics. Yeah, you can pick up on apples, but Chardonnay can also take have an apple characteristic True. to it. So it's True. kind of that like if 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 it's a, somebody that really enjoys Chardonnays or something with a little bit of extra sweetness but not too much, I'm right? Like, apple wines, you're exactly you're yeah. Too. Yeah. Well, we're talking about it. We might as well. Yeah, let's yeah, have yeah. a glass of it. We'll clear, clean out the... You could just dump that for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is great. 
I was so excited for this podcast. <laughs> I've been telling everyone, like, oh, I'm starting a podcast series. They're like, oh, yeah, what are you going to talk about? I was like, well, I got this guy who's got a vineyard. He's going to bring wine in. <laughs> Naturally. Naturally. Of course. Wouldn't it be so funny if you didn't bring anything we were just talking about? Like, right. uh-huh. <laughs> well, what's it taste like? <laughs> I know what it take tastes like. Take my word. Like. No. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you. Well, and that's why I wanted to have video, too. Because it's like, mm-hmm. you can see it now. It's beautiful. Know? Yeah, you know, the color. Like, uh, yeah, the gorgeous. color is like, yeah. It's when, just, when, you make, when you crush apples and make juice out of apples, it looks like apple cider. It's brown. It's foggy. Yeah, and I was like, oh, man, it's how cloudy. can I make a good wine out of this? Right. But all that settles out. And it, yeah, if you tell anybody that this color. is apple before they even, before they even drag it, they'd be like, there's no way. And oh, this yeah. Is like, no, it totally shocked me. I had no idea it was going to come out this nice. Yeah. Nice golden color. It even yeah, smells like right. a Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. Like the bouquet is first, like Chardonnay, like Chardonnay forward. Yep. Mm-hmm. And what's cool is it's even like like I, I would have like assumed that this is like a Chardonnay, even like even like almost a Sauvignon Blanc. Even mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Yeah. At the nose. And what was cool was like when I first made this a year ago, exactly. It was super appley. Over time, as it ages, that kind of goes away, and it yeah, takes that on nice. that aged wow. character. Yeah. Because you automatically assume that it's going to be sweet. Somebody tells you like it's a, like it's an it's an apple right, wine. Yeah. It's gonna be like a dessert wine, but it doesn't have those characteristics. It, it on the nose, the bouquet is definitely Chardonnay forward, even very similar to to Sauvignon Blanc. The first sip hits like a Chardonnay, settles with the apple, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but not like sugar content sweet either. Right. It's more fruit forward for yep. sure. Yeah, and then in in the future episode, we'll have to get more into that chemistry and what makes it like that. And yeah, how do you get it to that point. Um, that's a beautiful one. Yeah, break yeah. out some of the uh, the notes that you took. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give us some of the research. Chalkboard. Yeah, bring, bring the chalkboard. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of it. Wow. The ingenuity of it. You know, that's 20 tons. Wow, I can't get over that. Yeah, it was an entire tractor trailer load. Yeah, right. Not, yeah. Not two. Yeah. Right, yeah. Twenty. <laughs> oh my gosh! I can't even imagine yeah. that. God, I love that. That is amazing. So, what brought your dad over the edge for putting this in? Like, was it the research? Was it the like? Oh man, I think here's it was what I think. Almost or... Desperation. Yeah, like, you're at that point where you're like, you know, the future. We don't. You're have stuck the between grapes. a rock and a hard yeah, place. Right. You make some some decisions you gotta, that you, you either try. don't want to make or you have to make. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, he trusted me big time coming out of there. You know, out of school. He was like, you know, I, whatever you come out of there with. You know, was it you one know, of those conversations like, please right. don't let me down? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah I know, man. A lot of pressure. I mean, my first product, too. So oh, like, yeah. This has got to be I think good, you, I think you did well. Great. Congratulations Thank on you. that. Congrats. That was very well done. Thank you. Yeah, now I'm, you know, ready to t- tackle the next one. You know, nice, really right. just, it really gets you. Keep that, that momentum. Role. Yeah, on that momentum. Especially when, you, when, when you're successful at the first decision that you make that's, that's major for the company as well, especially in, for the family. I mean, it gives you that inspiration and that motivation and want to tackle the next project with like a clear mind Absolutely. and like so much desire to want to like oh my god i executed the first one so now i have to continue continuously challenge myself right and just continue to be grow you know grow and be better yeah yeah, yeah. definitely definitely is always in the back of your mind now it's like mm-hmm. okay like this is my path this is what's pushing me to do the next thing and like i gotta keep going right so what's optimal weather Optimal weather for like um, a growing season. So like yeah. 2018, dismal, the worst that it could terrible. possibly get. 2018 was rain, tons of yeah. rain through the harvest season. So we weren't even able to make cold too. Yeah, we weren't even able to make reds because they were so diluted from all the rain. So we had to make mm-hmm. all rosé out of our reds. Wow. Um, yeah, so I was terrible. We only make our estate wines really good stuff on the good years. So luckily the rosés have been such a hit they for the past year. So Dude, we were I think so that worked to your advantage. Lucky in 2018 that that rosé turned out to be a fantastic. Rosés I think over the last yeah. 4 years have have taken over the market yeah. in so many different aspects. Yeah. You know what I mean? That so many different companies have you know just being in the industry and seeing so many different you know vineyards putting out so many different styles of and there's a lot of different styles of rosé. Rosé is not just like one um, there's Pinot Noir rosés, there's Cabernet, Cabernet rosés, yeah. there's there's so there's varietals. So our rosé is now, it used to be just like a Cab or a Merlot rosé. Now it's a blend of three. So now we have the Cab Sub, the Cab Franc, and the Merlot all in there, Saunier. And uh, like, if you're familiar with Saunier process, no. so basically what you're doing is, you know, red wine gets its color. Mm-hmm 
from the skins, right? So you have to soak this, the juice on, with the skins for a couple of weeks to get that dark red color. Wow. So if you pull off juice like within a day of being on the skins, it just has a pink character like look to it. And so that's how you make rosette. You pull off like 10% of your juice and you can blend it from all your reds. So what that does is it concentrates your actual red wine juice. And then you're also getting rosé on top of that. So it's a win-win. Wow. And uh, by blending all those red grapes together, it makes it super complex. You're getting different flavors from all those grapes. Um, so that's what we settled on for our rosé now is three different reds in there. Very nice. Yeah, yeah I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. I, I, yeah, that's people something think, to learn. Like, yeah. You just dump red and white wine together and that's how you make yeah. rosé. Yeah, 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 yeah. there's a real science to it. Rosé is a, is a big... I think that's why it's become such a big thing because so many people have... Learn like the knowledge behind it and and how complex it could really be. Yeah, right. You know, mm-hmm. not just like your basic drink. <laughs> it <laughs> has. Like, how's that been selling for you? Off. Yeah, yeah, huge, yeah. huge. Especially this time of year, it's hot out. People love the rosés. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Any white wines. Rosés were a big thing too. Yeah, I mean, we started doing. Uh, I made a couple of those actually with with the uh, Steagle Rose. That's awesome. Yeah. We started doing slushies this year because we were like. During COVID, we just needed more, some more revenue. Yeah, that's what, like, I, that's what I did. We with, saw with people, the, uh, we saw people, like these, some wineries were getting food trucks and they put slushy machines in, they go to developments, they sit them there and just people line up. Wow. Wine slushies. So wow. And we were like, so we put one in our, one of our stores in Kitchen Kettle Village, we put it in. Huh. And, um. Interesting. It flew, flew off the shelf. Oh yeah, it goes, it goes nice. Like I was doing it like, uh, you know, up, up in my spot and, um, yeah. it was people going crazy over it. Mm-hmm. And I started. It's been really hot this summer. Yeah, that was that worked to that yeah, benefit been, of that. Yeah, it's been long and too. Spent mm-hmm. a lot of time. Yeah, outside I feel like today. in previous summers it's like a yeah, hot yeah. patch here or there, but then it kind of evens out. Yeah. it's been consistently warm. Yeah. So you ask what a good growing season is? Mm-hmm. It's typically those pretty hot temperatures through the summer. Um, so 2020 for everybody else is terrible. Yeah, for Walt's figure, it's been it's great. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at least on the on the vineyard side of things, for sure. The fruit is looking fantastic this year. And now it's starting to cool down a little bit. We're getting those 60-degree nights. Like, that is perfect because you oh, preserve your acidity in the grapes then. That's huge. Acidity is what allows you to age this wine forever. It's what like, does that temperature do, you do at, you know, at 60 degrees? How, how does it preserve the acidity? Um, I think it just has to do with it. You're not continually ripening the fruit all night long gotcha. all so it almost goes long. dormant yeah it almost does and that, yeah. you know through the ripening process you're continually losing acidity as you go so what you're trying to do is you're trying to slow down the actual like sugar and acid ripening version and allow the flavors to develop if you rush wow. the if you rush the ripening of the grape with hot days in the fall then you'll never get those true flavor developments huh. to come so how through. do you like so what complex. tactics do you do is that like sure. putting misters in to kind of keep now, it cooler I mean, like, we're not california that? fortunately okay. we are not like california and we don't have to like super shade the vines and give them all this water like yeah 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 almost that's one thing that i really feel like we have an advantage here on the east coast especially for us is that we don't have to irrigate we don't have to shade our vines it's almost like in bounds here. If we can get it just to that perfect rightness, wow. we don't have to do all these extra steps to get it there. So we're really lucky in that sense. My dad always says we have the most fertile non-irrigated soil in the U.S. Hmm. The other ones are all irrigated out in California. Um, so That man that knows what he's talking about. Yeah. So he works so hard, too. Is that just because of the land? Like <clears throat> the way that like our rolling hills here? It has to do with our rainfall, mostly. We get 40-some inches of rain a year here, so we never have to irrigate. You know? Wow. It's amazing. I mean, there's maybe one year in 20 years where we have to irrigate, but it's almost <laughs> never. I was in Washington State. I worked out there for a little while. I saw grapes go three months without water, and they still survived and ripened that fruit later that year. Three months. Wow. So we'll never have that here. Yeah. It's not a thing. Yeah. So. It's almost yeah, perfect I mean, here. So yeah. You, yeah it really is. Yeah. It really is. We have, I didn't know that. Yeah. And that's, you know, talk, going back to, like, when my dad first started growing grapes, like, he had no idea this soil that we have is very similar to German vineyard soils. That is like, we had soil scientists in France too. Some yeah. of, some of, some of the soil in France. DNA. Exactly. And yeah. it is going back to the yeah. DNA, but that yeah. is so, it's, it's so wild. And like right here in it's our It's like, backyard. makes you think like, did my ancestors that came from Germany look for the same type of land that they were used to farm? <laughs> That's what I mean. You, know? you don't, you don't know. The thought yeah. process could have been a little more, a little more technical. That probably, you know, might be the case when my, uh, when my family came from like the Ukraine area, like mm-hmm. when the Soviets came in, the Bolsheviks came in, they got the hell out of Dodge, right? <laughs> uh, and when they came over here, what they 
what they were is they were like the kulaks which is like the the russian landowners um mm. ukrainian um landowners and when they got over here they had absolutely nothing so even though they were rich over there the devaluation mm. so when they came to lancaster it was because they got hooked up with a farmer and they like started farming the land for them and they just took like well we know what we're doing over there we're gonna come over here wow. and start it Interesting. Um, yeah it's pretty cool that ancestry man it just fascinates me like having a property a piece of land in your family for that long it's like six generations you can't like you there's no chance you're selling that land right Ever so much. I don't even think the right that. price. There is no right there price. There is no because you're taking. You're giving. Like, you're giving up your history. You will literally. It's like you. And you can't get that back. And I'll find things all the time. Like I found a tree last year that had carvings in it of my ancestors' like initials. <laughs> How do you put like, a price on that? You, you don't. Man, yeah. that is crazy. Wow. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just it's so cool to have that, and you're working on it every day. Yeah. It's like that's that drive. So well, that's great because you guys put the house on the property too, like yeah. right next to there, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah you guys live right there. That's yeah, your, I mean, my that's mom, your dwelling. That's stra- awesome. Strategically that. did that because my mom she had four kids, and mm-hmm. she was like, and she here's the dynamic. My dad started the grape growing and the winemaking. My mom completely covered the sales and marketing side of the business. So in order for her to raise four kids and still do that, she had to be right there on site. So she's like, got to build it here. And it worked, you know? And I mean, our customers, the reason they're really in love with our product is also because they can see everything, where it's coming from. They understand these are the grapes it's coming from. Here's the winemaking facility. It's all right there. You can see it. Uh, Well, then talk about what you guys do on Fridays because for people in Lancaster that are looking for things to do, you you guys are still having your concert series. Definitely. So... Currently, because of the, the max cap with COVID, we're mm-hmm. doing it just for our wine club exclusively. And that's something that we offer to our wine club members annually is concerts on the lawn. We do a few of those throughout the year. And, the, you know, wine club members can bring their friends. And what a wine club membership means is you're signing up for uh, four quarters of shipment of wine to you. Okay. Um, it could be three bottles, six bottles, 12 bottles, whatever, whatever you're comfortable with, whatever you are looking for. Um, but we have a wine club membership now of 800 people. Wow. Yeah, and it's grown exponentially every year, and it's so incredible. convenient too. Yeah. I mean, just like yeah, have it have it sent to you. Is it delivery? Yeah, it's still, yeah, you can get it shipped. Oh, or if, I mean, if you drink wine, nine bottles a yeah, quarter I mean, like that, you go through it so you quick, go through yeah. that pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. Um, yeah, we'll also do like vertical tasting. So I brought you a fourteen cab. We we did a vertical tasting a few months ago. That was the twenty thirteen through the twenty seventeen cabs, and you taste them all side by side. So you get to wow. see how each year differed and what made each year unique. And that was super cool. Luckily, we had five years of good cab mm-hmm. growing conditions. Right, it does not happen very often to get five years in a row. Um, and concerts on the lawn. I mean, it, it's just if anybody that. Is not join the wine with club. just that. Yeah, join the wine club. Join the wine club. Honestly, That's an awesome perk. <laughs> I completely recommend it. I'm not just pushing it because I'm biased, but or maybe just a little. But <laughs> it's 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 a very very beautiful estate winery. I mean, it's it's absolutely gorgeous. So I mean, on on a beautiful like even you know mm. not so hot day, but it's just beautiful out there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it really is. The views, and, like I said, I mean, it's just a perfect location to like have a glass of wine, listen to mm-hmm. some live music, and yeah, I meet so many cool people at the wine club events. It's yeah. like you, there's always new people joining. It was just a really cool community. Almost everybody knows each other. Yeah, and like if they don't know somebody, they're gonna make the meet point them to meet them. And there's, it's a cool community. So yeah, yeah, your guys' property over there is spectacular, gorgeous, yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah, we're super fortunate to have that. And, had, like I said, I had no idea it was going to be good for grapes like until we planted them. You know, that's the craziest part to me. It's like there is luck factors to, yeah. to business. I mean, luck factors that you didn't even realize you had, had no idea. until you started to do your research yeah. Yeah. and study your own land. Yeah. Find what you have and what it can be used for. Oh, yeah. And, what, and I think you, know, you guys did your your absolute best in, in that aspect. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, they had they had it all there in front of them. They didn't know 100% in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That, that that's what it was going to be able to offer. The resources were there. And if you, they, you know, they dug deep enough yeah. and, and found that. And that's, that's, that's amazing in itself. Yeah. I think truthfully it comes down to like the farming mentality and like we've been farming for so long and like, that's what really, why my dad was so good at growing grapes. Like he understood plants and he knew how to farm right. 
and he wasn't he knew you can't cut corners you have to do your due diligence and you have to make sure that you know what you're doing put the time in and that's the only way to do it and truthfully you can't make good wine without good grapes so you got to be good at that before you get even think about getting into winemaking goes down the line yeah it really does yeah. so that's what i love about it i mean i'm part-time farmer part-time chemist part-time wine salesman <laughs> right like, I do a little bit of everything yeah yeah it keeps life interesting that's amazing that's awesome well i mean you're yeah. a great salesman when it comes to the knowledge of it too i mean because you do all of those things you can storyboard it yeah yeah which is like well, one of the biggest things with being good at sales of... is believing in what you sell right mm-hmm. i mean and, I, and, and the product speaks for itself the and product is my life like yeah the first buying i know you guys hearing the way you guys like talk about born, it it's you like know? you guys definitely believe in, in, yeah. in the product that you have and i mean like i said it shows you know and, and you know from the bottle to the glass to the consumers yeah. it's awesome and, i mean you've seen front lines with the consumers like oh yeah the product yeah they constantly come back they ask yeah. for it all the time yeah you know they ask about it when i you know i give them taste a lot like i'm big on giving people taste like hey try this out this is from here it's like their initial reaction is like wine from here and then you give them a little bit of the backstory. They tried and they can't, you know, they mm-hmm. can't believe what they're trying. So yeah. it opens up. Why doors. do you think we have such a, uh, like, in, if it's like, oh, this is Italian or this is French or this is European, like, why do they get held in such higher regards mm-hmm. than the, something here? Why do you think that is? The history, like, the, they have had centuries and centuries. Like a much of older history. Growing there. Okay. And, I mean. U.S. is only a few hundred years old. Yeah. So that you, you put that up to. You know, countries that have been doing this for like over, yeah. you know, however many, you know, centuries, like yeah. you said. I can imagine in your industry as well, there's got to be companies that are the oldest companies have the highest value products just because they have true. established. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, there's a, in a, Holland and Sherry, I'll, I'll tell you this little story quick. They actually um, have like shepherds on their payroll, right? Mm-hmm. Where they are feeding a grass fed diet to their, uh, their sheep and their goats oh, to yeah, make sure that their wool is like exactly perfect. And then they cut it from the belly, oh right? Gosh. Because that means it's yeah. going to be a little bit softer. You don't have as much wind and debris because it's a little bit more shaded. So that makes it a little softer. And then you couple that with the fact that they've been looming for centuries. So now <laughs> like when it's loomed together, you've got the best of, you know, the wool that you could possibly get loomed in the best possible looming you know, wow, industry so and standard. Incredible. How do you like, order from them? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Carrier pigeon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, send that link. Yeah, no, you, you spend a lot. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And that, you know, a, a typical suit's like 3.2 to 3.6 meters in fabric. Right. And some of that'll be like $120 like a meter. Oh my So you're spending just on the fabric. That's not like, that. that's just... Labor know, sheet itself, fabric, man. you know, that's not talking about the person that's then sewing it mm-hmm. and the details and the pick stitching and the lapel and the horsehair linings. Like, that's literally just the fabric. Yeah, wow. <laughs> you're spending close to 400 bucks. And it, I mean, hey, it, it really does take years and generations of experience to get to that fine detail, and right. that's really what it's about. Man. Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to do is just carry on the you know what people have done before me carry on my heritage and then add to it and then leave a legacy. Yeah. I think that's just so critical. It's like, there's a bigger picture here. We're here for a short time. Let's make it impactful. Yeah. Please <laughs> leave a legacy. Absolutely. So, well, and the fact that your product comes out so crisp is what's like, it's amazing. And it's so yeah. inspirational to hear you talk about it in this way because you truly care and you can see it. Yeah. Like it's tangible, you know, but what they don't see is like, you feeling the dirt and the stuff that like maybe isn't quite as glamorous yeah. as sitting here like in a nice area like oh look at the yeah, notes. Yeah, this but like I, there's a bad there's a lot of like, like the farming side of this things is like two percent of my like dirty and sweaty yeah, yeah. absolutely no but that's where it comes from like that sort of like tradesmanship of like like <laughs> Sometimes farming gets like, you're like, oh, you're just on a stinky farm and you got all this. And it's like, well, no, like from the land, you end up creating something yeah. that like. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. I love just watching plants grow. And like a lot of vineyard growing is like you're taming the plant. You're making it. I'm a much of a perfectionist. So I love seeing things look linear and organized. And that's what you're doing. You're taking a very wild thing and, and containing it and taming it. 
Um, and I just love love growing crops. And yeah, really, I could ask you a million questions about the like the water, the like how it they grow. Crazy I mean, science, even with yeah. the clippings, like you guys have to trim each year. Yeah, and knowing like because you were explaining a little bit of like, yeah, you got to go in here and trim it this mm-hmm. way to make sure that they grow correctly, yeah. so that way it lays better. Another thing that adds value to a product is not being able to mechanize something, right? So I have to have people out there doing that job. They have to see every vine every vine is unique you have to look at it and be like okay i think this is going to be the best way to prune this vine so that it'll survive in the future right. there is no machine that can do that yeah so i mean that really does add to the value of the product it also makes it really tough especially when the labor industry now the pool's getting smaller for farm and farm labor it's just oh, yeah. smaller and smaller and you know constantly trying to think outside the box but truthfully there are some things you just can't mechanize in that in my industry um, which makes it so cool. I think it's handcrafted. So. Yeah. And everybody's in on that right now. Yeah. And that's just the, you know, as we get more and more tech, it's cool to see these, like, like working with your hands, there's a sense of value to yeah. it. Like even when I start making like clothing and I'm sitting down and I'm sewing mm-hmm. like that alteration work, it's like, you have a sense of like when it's tangible, Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a craft, yeah. um, which is cool. And it, I don't think you'll ever get uh, the true appreciation of culture, you know, through tech. Yeah, no, you won't. And and like you can enhance is... it, but it still takes the the human mind and the human, you know, the uh, the attention to detail right. and the character that comes with that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and you know, especially when it comes to like clothing, we were talking about this before. The the more you spend on the higher quality thing, it's gonna last you way longer. It's guaranteed. The cheaper stuff is never gonna last you as long. Just mm-hmm. like make the investment, just do it. Like it's you know it's you know it's worth it. You right. buy you buy more of the cheaper stuff too. Yeah, you end up spending more. And more yeah, I think right. exactly. It's like yeah. yeah, I mean they keep you tethered to it, yeah, exactly. and that's even like with the custom clothing that I tell guys is when when I try to do alteration work for people that go to Express, right? And they buy an express suit and they come to me and they're like, man, it's a little tight. Like, could you let this out? <laughs> and I open up the jacket and I was like, dude, there's a quarter inch on your seam tolerance. Like, what do you want me to let out? There's no fabric left. Right. Whereas when you get to a custom jacket and I turn it inside out, I've got like a half inch to an inch on my seam you allowance. Open it up a little that bit. That I can open it like with a much larger yeah. tolerance. So like yeah. if you're fluctuating between 15 and 20 pounds up and down which is pretty standard for a lot of guys. Right. It's very easy to kind of like take the same suit and be like, all right, well, let's let, let, take the waist out a little bit. All right. Now you're in good, you know, form yeah. again, you know, you had an injury or you're eating better, you're dieting. Now we want to taper it back in. That That's amazing that they're able to bring, they That's bring the crazy. same suit. That they're able to kind of like do that too. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing in itself. I mean, how long did it take you to learn how to do that? That is incredible. Uh, I've spent the last three years really kind of dedicating mm-hmm. myself to that. You know, when I came back from Texas, you know, my dad, I mean, we've got racks and racks of clothing for the rental stuff, which is kind of like here, that one doesn't fit. This one does. Right. And we'll shorten the sleeves and right. shorten the pants. And I noticed that on certain things that are rental, it's not a high enough dollar for the custom ability that people want. Right. And with, some people wanting a little wider leg, some guys wanting it skinnier, some guys wanting like the ultra skinny fit. Um, to make rental do that, I have to buy like seven different types of the same color pant and I've got 45 styles. <laughs> wow. So I was like, you know what, yeah. what we're going to have to do is just, if you want it that way, you're going to have to buy it mm-hmm. and I'll tailor it for you specifically for you. But right. I can't invest into yeah. <laughs> into 7,000 pieces for one color when yeah. I have 45 colors to deal with. You would need two or three more spaces more. like this. I need a couple. I need three or four more million dollars, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to solve this problem, which is the fit that consumers want, I better learn how to tailor mm-hmm. because if I'm going to represent the clothing I'm not just going to say, hey, you can buy it from me, but you got to go see so-and-so to get it altered. Right. right. So I got very fortunate that the guy down in the city, um, Harry Mahanis, yeah. um, and he's just the, he's Lancaster's premier, premier tailor. He's been for years right on Chestnut Street. Yeah. Um, he kind of took me under his wing and I 
would go in in the mornings and be like, all right, hey, this is what I want to change. Like, this suit doesn't fit me right. How do I do this? Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, all right, take the jacket, flip it inside out, mark like this. He goes, sew it this way. He's like, you have to go very, very thin. He goes, do that a hundred times on this jacket and come back to me next week. Mm-hmm. So I'd come back here and I'd sew it and I'd put it on and be like, yeah, it doesn't quite look right. Go back, take it out, redo it. All right, that's that that's, that's, good. that's dedication. This Man. is this is like what you said. It's it's some of the things that people don't see that go on behind the scenes. Yeah, they they see the jacket, they put it on. It's like yeah, okay. But the greater appreciation of things is like what's great about this podcast. Also, people do get to hear a little more up close and personal what goes into like all of yeah. that science behind a yep. glass of wine. Mm-hmm. My goodness, when you're yeah. sitting at a table or you order it at the bar. May you change your perspective yeah. anytime you order anything. Absolutely. You know, and yeah. wine especially, you know what I mean? So much hard work and dedication and research and value and soil and years, weather years and years, and years generations yeah. just to yeah. get it right. Right. Do you know what I mean? And, and yeah. you know, with you it's as applied, well. You it's applied I mean? knowledge too. Right? It is applied what I really knowledge. Like. And, what I really and a lot of kids go through school not really like – they're learning things, but they're not learning with an application purpose Absolutely. to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it's like, in and out. Yeah. It's like, right. What am I, I use geometry more now than I ever did before. Yeah. You know? See what I mean? And I, yeah. when I was used to sit in geometry class, I'd be like, what am I going to need to know this? And it's like, no, now I need to know because <laughs> yeah. it's like, if, if I'm working with angles, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like I have to kind of know and yeah. then seam tolerance. So it's like, right. just learning that, you know, it's like applying that knowledge is what mm-hmm. I think is just, that's why I wanted to start this podcast to be like, all right, let's find people that are hyper passionate about something. Right. Let's dig a little bit deeper into like mm-hmm. the background of what they're doing yeah. and then showcase that to be like, okay, what you're passionate about, become the best at it yeah. and be the best at it. Because when you do that, your purpose in life, like it's a legacy yeah. thing, you yeah. know, you put the responsibility to make sure 70% of second generation yeah. business owners fail. Right. It's wild. Exactly. People don't realize that. I mean, the pressure is on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one one thing I really like you just brought up is mentorship and how important that is. It doesn't matter how much schooling you have, find a mentor. That's what my dad <clears throat> did. That's why we are where we are where we're at because he didn't have that formal education for winemaking. Right. Everything he learned was through one guy, one mentor. It was a local winery in, in Philadelphia. Okay. Um, and it's Penn's Woods. Uh, okay. It's the winery. Right. And it's an Italian winemaker named Gino. And that's he, what I thought. Yeah, yeah. If I if I was if I wasn't mistaken, I knew he was like either mm-hmm. Italian or from Italy or Yeah. Or, and his his thing was like, I wanna in, I wanna mentor one person, but they have to be serious. They have to be committed to this and to producing a high quality product, or I won't do it. Because wow. he saw the value in having other people in the industry, but only if they had the same mentality. Wow. Um, so he's so fortunate that he did have that mentality and he found that mentor. And he taught him everything. And there's a lot of things that like might contradict what I learned in school. Honestly, there's a lot of things that I'm like, dad, are you sure? Like I learned right. it differently. He's like, trust me, it works. Like I've done it. I've proven it. Yeah. You know? It's like, okay. Yeah. There's the value to that. That's awesome. And I think a lot of people, when they hear that, they're like, oh man, well, I don't know anyone. Go ask. Yeah. Because these people, like I walked into Harry and was like, hey, I want to learn this. You're obviously the best at it. Right. How do I, how do I do this? And you'd be so surprised how quickly, like, they want to share their passion. Like, really passionate people that get really, really good Mm -hmm. at something, they don't want it to end with them. They're not greedy about their knowledge. Oh, yeah. They will tell you exactly what to do. It's a beautiful thing. They will give you, like, step by step, like, here's what you do. Here's how you do it. Here's what you kind of want to avoid. Now you don't want to do that. You want to do this. Here's what I learned. That's what legacy is all about. Oh, yeah. You know? and, and you get right to the success side if you would just listen. Yeah. And don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. Ask people. They will give it oh, to yeah. you. Oh, yeah. You can skip a lot of hard hard years of learning the hard way <laughs> to, to get to that point. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's what legacy means to me. It's like legacy is inspiring the next generation to continue what you've, you've, you've created and build upon it. I feel right. like that's really what legacy is all about so that your hard efforts – are not lost and they're just built upon. Um, That's so, yeah. perfect. I think we should probably end on that. Let's pour the shard. Let's do and it. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's, that's honestly great ending statement there. This is one of my favorites. 
Yeah, I, I love how that was the first wine you mentioned. Like, I'm a bottle. Yeah, it was the first, the first one that yeah. I mentioned. I started with this wine probably five, six years ago. And like I, I told myself anywhere that I manage, work, direct, um, that's probably going to be one of the Chardonnays that I always yeah. carry. So if I only drink reds and I want to start getting into whites, what's my like, what should I go for? Do it with food. doesn't really matter what the white is, but I would say drink it with food. Because it yeah. just, the food enhances the wine, the wine enhances the Acidity food. levels. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Hey, let's awesome. give a toast. Yeah. Yeah. To uh, Legacy. Yeah. Let's go Absolutely. to Legacy. Legacy's good. To Walt's Thank Vineyards, you. to DRS Menswear, and to the podcast as well. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course.